Over the past 10 years, uh, I've had the privilege of traveling to the country of Haiti eight times. And in the work there I was a part of, we were focused primarily on an orphanage and caring for some children and uh, partnering with the ministry that was doing some church planning. And, and there were a little over 100 children at this orphanage. And, and one of, of the, the young men at this orphanage that I just fell in love with, uh, his name is Maslin. And, um, and, and Maslin, like from his earliest years, you know, like I first met him, he was about uh, two years old or so, and I kind of got to watch him begin to grow up and spend time with him a couple times a year. And, and I don't know, we just hit it off. There's just something special about that relationship connection. And every time I'd spend time with him, like I, I just would see him grow. And over time, I saw him kind of take over the orphanage. Like at three and four years old, just think like Fred Sanford, okay? For those of you who might know that reference, like he's walking around, I mean, large and in charge. He had personality for days and, and he was just the sweetest, sweetest boy. And again, I just, just fell in love with him and, and we had a very meaningful connection. But, but, but one of the funny things about little Maslin is that somewhere along the way, he saw someone salute observe someone saluting. And for some reason, he picked that up as a part of like his repertoire for when we would take pictures. Like the kids all understood photo, right? So like if you'd say photo, like the kids understood we were gonna get a picture or a photo and little Maslin, we'd say Maslin photo. And every time we would take a picture with little Maslin, he would salute. <laughs> Two years old, three years old, four years old. It became the Maslin salute. I don't know why he did it. I don't know what in his little mind like triggered that response. He saw somebody do it. And so he did it and he did it every single time. I brought a picture with me today to show you of me and my little buddy. There he is. <laughs> that is the Maslin salute. Now he made it his own because he just did like a little two finger thing. I've never seen anybody do that before or since. But like literally every single time you would say, Maslin, photo. Like it didn't matter where he was. He could be eating, running around, playing. We're doing something. Somebody come along. Hey, can I get a picture of Maslin? Yep. Okay, come on, buddy. Maslin, photo. Here you go. Boom. I mean, every time his little salute. And, and uh, again, I don't know why he did it, but I know this. He saw somebody do it. <laughs> He saw an adult in his life. He saw one of us on, uh, you know, the teams we would send and, and uh, the, the people he'd get to know. Like somewhere along the way, he saw somebody do that. He tried it. We all loved it. And that became his calling card. <laughs> that's his claim to fame. And, uh, you know, that's one of the most precious things about being around children is they emulate the people in their lives that they love and look up to. In fact, that's one of the joys of parenting. Like you see it in your children. Like you see them emulate things about you that, that they appreciate. It's actually also one of the most frightening aspects of being a parent is that your children emulate you. It can be a blessing. It can also get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but it's true, like when you're around children especially, you know, like the people that they love and look up to, they begin to emulate some things about them. I mean, you can see it crystal clear in children. It's actually true of all of us, really. I mean, 
we never really outgrow that. All of us are influenced by the people in our lives who are in close enough proximity that we look up to, we admire, and then there become some things about them that become true of us because we love them, we admire them, we look up to them, and they're just some natural things that happen in terms of emulation, right? That's, that's why you've heard it said that, that to emulate someone or to imitate someone is the most sincere form of flattery. Right, And so that, that's something that's true of all of us. And if you're new to Bell Shoals or you're new to the church in general, it, I, I hope you notice, especially here at Bell Shoals, I hope you notice that there are some things that are true of us, that are true of us because we're simply trying to emulate our Heavenly Father. We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of God. And a lot of what we're trying to emulate around here at Bell Shoals is just the reflection of our Father. There are some things that are true of our Father that we hope are true of us. And that's why we do things like the Real Hope Christmas Party, where about a month from now, we will welcome in at all of our campuses hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children that are currently in need. They're in situations that are somewhat unique. They're, they're, they're in a situation where help and assistance is needed and we're able to kind of bridge the gap and communicate the love and the joy of Jesus. And last year we, we did this for the very first time, what we call a Real Hope Christmas party and the response was overwhelming. Um, that's why we're increasing it this year. The partnership from our local schools has been incredible. You have the opportunity to leave today, grab a tag, with the name of a child, a toy or a bike, and then return that. Listen, you, you, you don't even have to do that. You, you, you can, right, like in reflecting your father's generosity, right? Like you can just go to our website, go, go, go to the particular site we have dedicated to this, and you can shop on Amazon and through the blessing of Prime, have that toy delivered here and we will wrap it for you. <laughs> But maybe if you're new to Bella Shoals, you're like, man, we're hearing about a lot of things today. Like there's a lot going on. And I see mission teams, 13 now mission teams we're going to launch next year. You say, why do we do that? Why do we do Real Hope Christmas? Why do we send mission teams all around the world? Why do we partner with schools? Why do we do what we do here at home? Why do every Wednesday do we have hundreds of families coming to receive help and support? Why do we do what we do? I can tell you why. Because we have a father that we're trying to emulate. We have a father that, that, that has been so gracious to us, kind to us, forgiving, loving. And we're just trying to reflect that because children reflect their parents. We emulate those we look up to. And it is true of the church that we should reflect our father. By the way, right after this service, right after the service in the lobby, one of the other things we'll be doing today is having a Riverview Campus core team interest meeting. And some of you couldn't be here a couple weeks ago when we had one here at the Brandon Campus. We've had a great response to that. But today, for just about 15 minutes after service, you can hear more about being a part of this new work in the Riverview community. I'd love for you to stay, be a part of it. You say, why is Bell Shoals doing all of this? Because we have a father to emulate. Let me tell you one other opportunity you're gonna see today is it's about adoption. We have a, 
a foundation started by some of our members, some very good friends and some incredible members of Bell Shoals called the Forever Home Foundation. We come alongside families who are called and led to adopt. We provide financial assistance and support. And it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And, and you'll see that today. You say, why does Bell Shoals care so deeply about our community. Why are we so heavily invested in meeting the needs of families? Why are we coming alongside adoptive families to help financially and emotionally and relationally? Why are we a people with a vision over the next seven years to send over a thousand people overseas? Why are we trying to share our faith and our stories and see 1,200 people baptized? Why are we doing what we're doing? At the end of the day, we're trying to emulate our Father. It's pretty simple. And when it comes to this piece of of our ministry with supporting families in adoption or foster care, coming alongside of them, promoting that culture. Listen, I just want you to know as we think about difference makers today that that's another aspect of what we do that reflects the heart of our Father. Let me take you back even to the days, okay, of Israel, right? The Old Testament. This is like a New Testament idea. Psalm 68, 5. Look at this. God is a father to the fatherless, the defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. Isaiah 1, 17. Look at this. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans and fight for the rights of widows. In other words, for those who were marginalized in this Jewish society, for those who could not care for themselves, what is the heart of God? God toward his people to say, you need to stand in the gap as much as you can. We, we support adoption. We support foster care. We, we, we have a culture here where we're coming alongside families who are called to this, to pray for them, to give, to, 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 to support, to encourage, because this is the heart of our Father. And today we have a powerful story of a family who's experienced firsthand what it looks like to share in this ministry. It's incredible. We have a lot of families all across Bell Shoals who have been led to this, called to this, and it's important we maintain a culture that's, that's supportive. Let me explain why we, we do this. This is our motivation, okay? This is, this is why we do what we do. The motivation for adoption is the example of our Heavenly Father adopting us into His family. Why do we have kind of this sliver of our ministry, right? Like, why is this important to us here at Bell Shoals? Why do we so heavily support the Forever Home Foundation? Why do we mention this as a part of our Difference Maker series? Because adoption is an earthly picture of what God has done for us. The motivation for it is the example of our Heavenly Father who's adopted us into His family. And this is reiterated throughout the early period of the church as it's getting started and it's expanding. Let me take you to Romans 8 and show you what the Apostle Paul said to, to the church in Rome. This is huge, okay? This is huge. He, he says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. He's going to challenge them to walk in the Spirit. But let me just point out here, as Paul's writing to the church in Rome, he's writing, okay, this is Rome. He's writing to people who are like from all over the place. Jews, Gentiles, slave, free, 
men, women, like, 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 like Rome was the epicenter of cultural diversity. And, and right here to, the, to these believers in Rome, first generation Christians, right? They didn't grow up in church. They had no background, no context for what you and I know as Christianity. Like this is all brand new to them. And Paul writes to them, and I just want you to see how important this is. We, we, we look past this, but he says, dear brothers and sisters, in other words, your family, Like we use these terms flippantly, brother, sister, right? Like, like, you know how we use brother? Like when we forget someone's name that we met in church. <laughs> hey, brother, good to see you, man. Good to see you. If someone that you see in the lobby after service refers to you as brother, that is Christianese for I can't remember your name. Let me tell you another way we use it. Ladies, this is on you. I love you, but I love you like a brother. It's just not going to work out. <laughs> Guys, if that girl you're dating ever says to you she loves you like a brother, it is over. All right? That is code for it ain't gonna happen, okay? We use these terms like brother, sister, like we have different ways we use them. Okay, let me just break this down for you. This is the Apostle Paul writing to all these believers in Rome. Again, you've got Gentiles, Jews, Samaritans, like you've got all these people from all these different walks of life. But you know what Paul is speaking to here? Under the blood of Jesus, they are family. They are brothers and sisters. You look around the room today, you look at all the diversity in the room, different backgrounds, different personalities, right? Different ethnicities. Let me, let me tell you what's true of Bell Shoals. We are one family. We are brothers and sisters under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And as you look around the room, you're, got, you're not going to be able to you know, resist noticing that some of our family are weird. And... Every family has weird members of the family. Am I right? Let's just keep it real. Thanksgiving is coming up. Let's just keep it real. They were weird before they came to Jesus. They're weird after. Okay, they're just, the Spirit's working on them. All right. It's not a perfect family this side of heaven. But I just want you to see here, we're family. This is huge, right? And, and, and so Paul's saying, look at this. He's saying under the finished work of Christ, those who have been saved by his grace, we're more than just like acquaintances, friends, like we're family. You, he says, brothers and sisters. You don't do what your sinful nature wants you to do. Check this out, verse 13 now. Look, he, he says, if you live by the flesh, you will die. If you live through the power of the spirit, you will put to death the deeds of your sinful nature and you will live for, notice this now, for, this is an important connection, all who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. And so, now here's where we drill deep, check it out. If you have not received a spirit that makes you, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children so that now we call him Abba, Father, for. Look at this. His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, I love this, we are his heirs. Meaning, We have an eternal reward that is second to none. We get the same rights and privileges as Jesus himself. How cool is that? The same heaven. We are his heirs. We inherit. 
what he has provided for us. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Paul is saying we are family, your brothers and sisters from all over the world, different walks of life, right? Different situations, but under Christ, you are one because you've been adopted into God's family. And this is huge. And so why do we care so much about a culture of life, a culture of adoption, a culture where we're coming alongside and supporting and encouraging because we're simply trying to emulate our Father. And let me, let me tell you why this is so important. Just, just three quick takeaways. For, that, that, that our spiritual adoption parallels our physical adoption. First of all, I just want you to see like adoption requires a significant cost. See, these are like, like ways that we get a glimpse of, of God's work in the world. Like, like, like spiritual adoption and physical adoption have some parallels. One is that it comes at a great cost. L- listen to me very, very carefully. Your salvation is not free. Your salvation may be free to you, but it costs Jesus everything. You see, our salvation is free to us who receive it. It was very costly to the one who's providing it. And that's certainly true of family adoption or physical adoption. It's expensive. It comes at a great cost. Sacrifice is required. Families who are led to this, who are part of the Bell Shoals family, right, go through a lot. That's why we try to come alongside of them and stand in the gap because adoption requires a great cost. Paul talks about this in Galatians 4. Check this out. He says, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, and God sent him to what? To buy, to purchase freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Adoption involves a great cost. Secondly, adoption involves a changing of legal status. Here's what the New Testament helps us to understand, that our salvation okay, literally involves a a transaction point where God as the judge in the courtroom of life decrees that through the sacrifice and intercession of Jesus, we are now declared innocent. We are now declared righteous. There's an actual legal transaction whereby Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. He takes on the the sin debt that we owe ourselves. He redeems us. He purchases us. He frees us up. And literally we move from death to life, from guilty to free, right? We, We move from slaves to sin to children of the king. We are adopted into his family. There's this legal sense whereby our names are changed and written in the Lamb's book of life. (laughs) And what happens when a child is adopted into a family? The same thing. Yeah, there's a great cost. There's a sacrifice. But there's also a transaction whereby this child is now a child of this family in the same way that a natural born child is a child of the family. It's the same. You get the same rights and the same privileges. Let me say it to you this way. You think about your salvation, just the depth of it, the weight of it, the significance of it. Here's the thing. There are no natural born Christians. We're all adopted. 
There's not a single one of us who are natural born Christians. There's not a single one of us, right, who get to heaven on our own merit. There's not a single one of us who are children of God because, you know, we just came by it naturally. No, 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 no. For every single one of us who know the saving power of Jesus, we are children of God because God by his gracious sacrifice and his provision and his payment through the blood of Christ who absorbed the wrath in our place, the wrath of God in our place for our sin, right? We're then, therefore, we are welcomed through the work of Jesus into God's family and we are welcomed to sons and daughters. We are who we are because we have been adopted. We're not natural born Christians. <laughs> and so, so, so what do we see through this beautiful picture of adoption in our world? That yes, it requires sacrifice and cost. It involves the changing of legal status. And then finally, listen, it, it begins with hardship, but it ends with hallelujah. And last week we saw in our Difference Maker series that God's in the business of taking your trouble and giving you a testimony. And today I just want you to see when you're going through times of hardship, God will turn it into a hallelujah. And we see this so beautifully through the process of adoption, right? We, we see that it's hard. It's hard pre-adoption. It's host, hard post-adoption. Like it's, it can be very difficult. That's why, again, we come alongside these families to help and encourage. But, but we also know that despite the hardship, there's a hallelujah coming. That the Lord brings good from what is often so hard. And, and he's done it for us. And this is pictured for us in adoption. You see, Romans 8 says it this way, okay? For we know that all creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. In other words, Paul's like, man, look around. The world is broken. Our bodies are broken, right? And he, that's why he says, we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too, he says, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his what? Adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. Let me tell you something. This world is broken. Our bodies are broken. But there is a new day coming. We will not wrestle with disease and death. We will not struggle any longer. We will be in a restored Eden with Jesus to lead us. And we will be together as a bunch of adopted men and women into the family of God to celebrate, worship, serve, and live life to the fullest. That is our hope. And adoption pictures this for us. But yeah, there's a lot of cost and sacrifice and yes, there's this change of legal status and it's, it's the real deal. And then no doubt all the hardship associated with it will ultimately result in a hallelujah because God is in the business of meeting us where we are and leading us to where we need to be. And I want you to see a story today of some incredible people who've experienced with their adoption journey a hardship that God's turning to hallelujah and are experiencing some difficulties even now that no doubt one day will serve as a great testimony to God's faithfulness. I'd like for you to meet the Lazara family. Let's watch this together. It's not too romantic. We actually met at a nightclub in uh, Ybor. And so we started dating. I thought he was really cute. He was super tall. I thought she was hot. That was my first impression. 
when you know that's your person, you just know. Like, he told me, like, on our first or second date, I'm going to marry you. And at first, I was like, stalker. And we were married five months later. Moved out to Brandon in 2000 after we got married. And I had two kids at first, the twins, and then went from there, ramped up from there. In my 20s, I was really into partying and drugs and doing all kinds of crazy things that you shouldn't. I was at a boat show for work, a trade show. There was another gentleman there who was working the boat show as well. I said, hey, after the show's over, you want to go smoke some weed? He said, no, I'm a Christian. And I said, oh, you're one of those. I'm not really sure even what we talked about, but we talked for two hours. And I went home to my hotel and I called Melissa and I said, I don't know what happened today, but something's changed and I need to get to a church. And no, I could just definitely see God working on his heart and it was like crazy. He wasn't the party guy that I liked to hang out with anymore. He was like, you know, the God, the lead of our family. And it was cool. It was really cool. I've thought about it a couple of times when people would ask me like, why did you want to adopt? I'm like, I don't really know. Like, it's just something that was in the back of my mind. And, you know, as I got older, I saw like a bigger need. And then Avery was like a year old and I was like, I really want another baby. And he's like, no way. You know, I'm, I'm not cut out for that. Um, I, I don't know if I could love a kid that's not mine or who knows how they'll turn out. Um, and it's expensive and all those things. I just took it out of my own hands because that wasn't working. I just started praying for God to soften his heart and for him to be ready. Shortly after, um, you know, Christ changed my life, three years to be exact, he like compelled me to want to serve with youth. And serving with the youth, they were going on a mission trip each year. And I was like, I definitely can't do that. That's for super Christians, not me. Anyways, lo and behold, I ended up going on mission trip to Brazil. But on that mission trip, as clear as when he spoke to me to save me, he spoke to me on that trip. He said, he said, I want you to adopt. And uh, that was the beginning of a very long journey. Um, that spanned, I don't know, six or seven years. We adopted Santana in October of 2011, and then Zariah and Demarcus, their adoption was completed in September 2013, and then Trey's was March 2017. Just a real magical time of God using our yes and just like bringing these kids to our family. Back when Melissa had had, by birth, Avery, she had a, um, her tubes tied. It worked until... Fast forward 16 years, 
and Melissa comes to me and says, Well, I took a pregnancy test and it's positive. He was in his office and he's like, this is what he says. Well, that's weird. <laughs> wow. And I'm old too. I was geriatric pregnancy at 40. And I was like, God, you're funny. God has a great sense of humor. You know, when you talk about being a dad, that's the one thing that is the most difficult. It's just the um, impact that the disease has on them. Rich has, he, he played sports, he had injuries, he had surgeries, whatever. He's always had a bad knee, a bad ankle. So him having like something weird with his knee or his leg was never unusual. You know, we were out of town for 4th of July and he fell. It was very uneven. There was a lot of trees back there, some exposed roots, whatever. And I was like, well, I would have fallen if I would have been back here too like what are you doing and he's like no there's something wrong with my legs they don't work i was hoping for a stroke honestly because i felt like you know he could partially recover from that and it wasn't scary and als was on my list and that was terrifying i didn't want it to be that at all that was like my number one fear but hoping that was the bottom thing on the list and then there was like ms and some other neurological um, disease that i thought it could be so he went to the doctor and he called me he said they said hi to very high probability that this is als and i texted him back that is my worst fear ALS is a myotrophic lateral sclerosis, which is normally called Lou Gehrig's disease. And basically it's a motor neuron disease where your brain is not telling your motor neurons to work, your voluntary muscles. So anything you wanna do, like anything voluntarily, that's what ALS affects. And essentially the muscles die. That day was horrible. It was honestly, even after having a miscarriage, that was the worst day of my life. That was the worst thing that I could possibly imagine for our family that we're at this point in this season and then now this. Please, can you open this? Yes, One of the things I struggle with right now is what will I be a part of in their future? Will I get to see my three-year-old graduate? Will I get to see my 14-year-old daughter get married? And that is a really difficult thing. Um, to process. I think that's the hardest part. It's kind of forced us to do more things as a family that we would have ignored or put off if this wasn't our situation. But, you know, just taking opportunities and just really enjoying the time that we have because, you know, we all know tomorrow's not promised, but like when something like this kind of slaps you in the face, it's like, okay, 
tomorrow's not promised. Let's do what we need to do. Let's do the things that are important to us and really make memories. That's what we're trying to do is just make memories. Seeing how my kid's father, earthly father, is able to relate to them and guide them, you know, it's just a perfect example of how God, you know, faithfully guides and provides for us. So I think it, they've got a really good earthly example. Not everybody is called to adopt, which they're not. Not everybody could either have room in their house, room in their life or whatever, but they still feel burdened to do something. If you're able to adopt a child, do it. If not, then support you know somebody else who is able to. And either way, you're gonna get blessed. Man, the um, amount of blessings that I have gotten in my life far outweigh. <laughs> Anyways, far, far outweigh what's going on now, you know? I can think of very few things in this world that practically show what it is like for God to bring us into his family than adoption. You know, they're just babies. They didn't bring anything to the table, so to speak. As a part of our family, obviously they inherit us, our love, our family, our care for one another. It's just something that was given to them by us. And it's a beautiful picture of what God does for us. God is giving you an opportunity to be a part of a much bigger story that will transcend your life, your kid's life, and their kid's life. It transcends all that. And you can be a part of a story that lasts for all eternity. Like, why wouldn't you? Amen. We are so blessed to be joined by Rich and Melissa Lazara today. And guys, thank you for sharing your story with us, your journey. And um, you're such an inspiration. Uh, Melissa, one of the things you say in the film that I love is that when you started getting into your adoption journey, God used your yes. And I just thought that was like such a perfect way of encapsulating what it means to walk with Jesus. Because, you know, the Lord doesn't show us what's five days out or five years out, right? Like, like we have today. And we lean into the direction of his spirit and we trust the Lord. But for that to happen, we have to give him our yes. And what he does with that, like the faith of like a mustard seed, right? It's just like what he's able to do with that is exponentially more than we could imagine. And, and so thank you for that picture of what it means to walk with Jesus. Maybe for someone here today who's struggling to follow Jesus as Lord with their salvation, maybe someone with adoption, maybe someone in another area of life, they're not leaning into that yes, what would you say to them? 
I would say like if you just have an inkling or a thought or an experience that you think God might be nudging you toward, just say yes, and then he's going to do the rest of it. Because with our yes, we thought he was leading us this way and that way, but then he would close doors, open doors, bring people in our path to really guide our journey. This was nothing to do with ourselves. And I said first hour, and it was kind of funny. It wasn't even planned, but I don't even really like kids that much. So (laughs) it was really unusual for me to have all these kids. I didn't change my first diaper until my first child was born. I never babysat. I don't want to hold your baby. (laughs) No, so this is really God just taking off with a little tiny bit. That's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's so cool about your story is that God's multiplied blessing to you through an avenue that you would have never imagined. Right. But for those blessings to be realized, you had to give him your yes. Right. And, and I love that. And, and so, Rich, I, I, I just thought, man, like the way you articulate the gospel um, toward the end of that film and the way you connect adoption physically with our spiritual adoption is so profound. And I know looking back on your life, Man, if we were to ask somebody when you were 20, like, hey, where's Rich going to be? It would not be on this stage today in a church, (laughs) right? Like proclaiming the gospel and no doubt post-salvation, your adoption journey has really um, grown your faith. And so just talk to us about that, leaning into that yes and adopting how that's that's grown you. Um, You know, throughout the process, I just saw God... work uh, miracles and it was a great reminder um, when we you know look in the Bible and we hear about in Genesis God walking with them or in Revelation there's could be a new heaven and a new earth um, when you you think that miracles were only back then or, or yet to come but <laughs> they're <clears throat> they're happening. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they're happening today around us in that process um, was a great reminder of that. Yep. I know you see all of your children just as displays of God's faithfulness and his miracle working power in your life. Amen. And to to experience that, you know, it's just so Mm -hmm. amazing. And you experience it at 40, right? That's a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you say, yeah, God has a sense of humor. God's funny. Yeah. Um, And sometimes, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Yes, he does. (laughs) Okay, so... You know, that's what's so neat about your story, I think, is is you've got your natural-born children, you've got your adopted children coming in. Again, they're your children, as we talked about today, right? There's that change of status, and mm-hmm. they're yours, all the same. Um, and so you've kind of been through what a lot of families have been through on both ends of the spectrum, right? Both natural-born and adoption. <laughs> but then you also highlight, Melissa, and I love this, the fact that not everyone can do this, right? Yeah. And I don't want today to be like... Okay, if you don't go out and adopt today, you don't love Jesus, and you can no longer be a part of Bell Shoals, right? <laughs> like, right? Like, that's not what this is about. We're not trying to pressure people into adoption, but we do want to maintain a healthy environment whereby we're leaning into the things that are important to our Father, 
Right. And for those who are led to that, we're going to come alongside and help. For those who aren't, we're going to support, right? And so just tell us, maybe someone who's here watching online, and okay, they're not to that season where God's led them to adopt, right? But we want the culture here of you can help, you can lean in. So what's that meant to you over the years? The people who have given, people who have prayed, people who have been there for you, supported, come alongside. What's that meant to you guys? It's just a huge impact, and it's the day-to-day little things that you wouldn't think about. Like, if you're cleaning out your closet, give it to, like, a foster family. I have had so many people, when we would get a placement, what do you need? They would bring meals, pray for us, come alongside with us, and even within this last year, with the season that we're in right now, we have a huge support system with our friends, family, and our church that they come and we'll take a kid to get their hair done and we'll take this one to a birthday party and bring meals and just pray us up all day long. It's for every single little task that you wouldn't even think about. It can yep. impact a family in a, a, a million different ways. Yep. And like you said in the film, they get the blessing from that as well. You know, it's give God your yes, whatever that means. Right. And um, it is... It's so imperative. Right, and they might not even think it's a big deal to hand down some clothes or bring a meal, but, I mean, that was like a lifesaver a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it speaks to what we talked about today, like, especially in the context of family, like, we're brothers and sisters. Right. And to have that support, it's special. It's different than what you see in the rest of the world. Absolutely. So that's awesome. Okay, so, Rich, um, I, I, I love just your story of coming to faith and then becoming a difference maker yourself, right? And it's so cool. You touch on this in in the film where the person who led you to Jesus at a boat show, (laughs) you're trying to go party it up and you're like, oh, you're one of those, right? And like just an average ordinary person, not named in the film, most of us have no idea who that is, Mm. but yet just through being faithful and sharing his story, your life is forever changed. And then you get involved in Bell Shoals, right? And as Melissa said, you know, you're not the same person. And I, maybe you weren't as much fun. I'm not sure. I kind of picked up on that. but <laughs> um, not, not as much fun. Uh, no offense. Okay, so, but like God's working in your heart, right? And then the next level for you is like, oh, I could never be a super Christian and go on a mission trip. That's and then right. three years later, you're on a mission trip. That's right. Okay, and so I guess you are a super Christian. Yes. <laughs> right? That's right. You're one of those. I'm one of those. Um, and so, man, for those who don't, who don't know you, man, you've had a vital role here at Bell Shoals. You, you've been a student ministry leader. You have influenced a ton of next generation leaders. And I mean, the impact of what you all have done and are doing is incredibly profound. So just talk to us about growing in your faith, becoming leader, and maybe to someone who's sitting here today as a part of Go 2030, they're like, I don't know that I could share my faith. I don't know that I could go on a mission trip. I think they can if they just give God their yes. Yeah, I mean, if you're <clears throat> thinking I, I could never go do that, um, I um, couldn't afford to go. Um, whatever <clears throat> the reason is, that's exactly who God wants. He wants the people that can't do it um, and have no business doing it, so <laughs> to speak. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> because at the end, um, he gets all he gets all the glory. Amen. That's right. Yes, he does. That's right. Well, listen, the Lord's been glorified through you all. Um, you've been an inspiration and an example, but you've been leaders and difference makers. And I just have to tell you, this is, uh, this is part of the surprise today, okay? They don't know this is coming, but um, when we kind of communicated to some of our leaders what we were gonna do with your story, it began to resonate among a lot of the next generation leaders that you personally, Rich, have impacted. And they said, we want in on that. And so I'd like to show you just a, a little video of some people who are next level leaders who are now impacting the world for Jesus in large part due to your example and your leadership. Let's take a look. Greetings from Idaho. Rich, you're being honored today as a difference maker. You encapsulate what it means to be a difference maker. Your humility, your transparency creates bridges to share the gospel. I'm just so thankful for the impact that you've had and you continue to have on the lives of so many people and your faithful service to God. And it is just so apparent how much you love God and you love your family. It's crazy to think back to being in high school and spending Saturdays at your house watching football, but we are so thankful for all that you invested in us, not only as students, but also as leaders within the student ministry. And Rich, I'd really like to thank you for being my leader throughout high school and just come alongside me and my friends and encourage us to get involved and to be leaders once we got into college and you know, helping us learn how to connect with guys that are high school age and just kind of make a lasting impact in their life like you've made in ours. You are the most real, the most authentic, and one of the funniest leaders that I've ever had. And we just appreciate you so much and am so glad that I was able to have you as a leader. Just want to say thank you for the positive impact and influence you've been on my life. It's more than I could ever put into words or ever repay you for mean the world to me, big man. I love you forever. The impact you had on my life uh, is more than I could even ever describe. Uh, you just were always there for us. We could always talk to you without judgment or fear of shame. Um, so that meant a lot to me uh, growing up. I always felt like a friend and that I wasn't a project, but at the same time, I felt like somebody that he genuinely cared about, um, genuinely cared about uh, helping them grow in their relationship with God. And I know that there are countless other guys that feel the same way. Um, you know, whenever we were in studies, he was there having fun, but also leading the discussion. And whenever, uh, we, whenever we were on mission trips, he was also there just being a leader and being an encouragement so that us kids could take the next step in our relationship with God. You have been an example of what it means to follow Jesus and always put him first. You've been such a great example of family. Um, and I know many people uh, watch you and see how you are as a dad, as a leader, and as just a person in general. He makes so many people smile. And I'm so thankful that I was able to be under your leadership for so long. And I love you, and I'm so thankful for you. <laughs> Amen.
And we're privileged to be joined today with, uh, by the rest of the Lazara family who's here, and then a number of the next generation leaders who have been impacted by Rich and Melissa. And some of them have traveled quite a bit to be here today. Um, and we're not reimbursing for gas, I don't think. I think uh, <laughs> they just love you that much, my brother. I appreciate and, uh, it. And they, they wanted to be here for you and to say thank you. And uh, on behalf of all of Bell Shoals, I wanna thank you all for sharing your story today and just for being faithful to God and giving him your yes. And so one of the things I wanna do today is uh, present a check to the Forever Home Foundation in your honor for $5,000. Thank you. Um, that we're gonna use. Yeah, thank yeah, you. we'll give that to you, Melissa. All right. Um, we're gonna use those funds to help a family through the adoptive process. We want you to help us choose that family, to walk through that journey with them, and um, to be a means of carrying on your legacy for many years to come. And uh, we're excited about that. And uh, also, we just wanna say thank you, and all of us wanna say thank you, Rich, especially, um, for your example um, and for being a difference maker. A super Christian, maybe, you might say. <laughs> and um, here, listen, here's what I know. Um, the New Testament tells us that our outer bodies are wasting away. And um, the timing of that is not always what we want, but that's not the last word for the Lord tells us that our inner man is being strengthened day after day after day and when we look at your story and um, we see how God's used you over the years and how he's using you today it's a beautiful example of the fact that the Lord Jesus is faithful to us and he is doing his work in us day by day by day and there is a glorious future awaiting all of us and um, I want to thank you for continue to be a difference maker this past year, because you have been. And your testimony of faithfulness is standing right behind you. And will echo, as you say in the video, for many, many years to come. And um, only eternity knows how many people you will have impacted um, because of your faithfulness to the Lord. So I love you, we love you, we thank you all for sharing your story today, and uh, we're with you. Um, no matter what, all right? So one more time, would you give it up for the Lazare family today? Just before we leave, I have to tell you, after the first service, you think, man, what is Rich thinking? His first words to me were, I'm going to get you back for this. <laughs> yeah, so, and I, I am. <laughs> I love you. I love you, man. Appreciate I love you. It. We love you. 